When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have three-time Grammy award-winning R&B hit maker, iconic songwriter, actor, entrepreneur, and philanthropist, Neo. His newest single, Don't Love Me, is out now, and his forthcoming album, Self-Explanatory, arrives July 15th. Coming up, I talked to Neo about growing up in Las Vegas in a household full of women, how his latest song was inspired by his own marriage struggles and the lessons he learned from his journey through the music industry. Up next, Neo. Let's go. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast. What's been your favorite episode? What's your favorite Gone in 60 Seconds? What's your favorite theme? Leave a five-star rating. This week's theme is Channel Your Emotions. Those of you who have been listening to this show the last year or so, we're almost at 100 episodes and columns. And during that period of time, I lost several members of my family. And to carry that burden was heavy. And death is just one of the many life experiences that can be hard to process day to day. One thing that's helped me find peace is figuring out how I can channel all of that emotion towards things that are positive investing in myself, investing in other people, investing in my community, investing in my work. I just realized I've been at ESPN for 15 years and I've never taken a day off and I've never applied for a vacation. You can say that's extreme work ethic and appreciating my position, but you can also say it's okay to take some time off, whether it's to enjoy your family or whether it's to grieve. And taking time for vacation, taking time to heal, taking time for therapy are things that I'm improving at. That's what being vulnerable means. It's taking the first step towards understanding yourself better. And when you understand yourself better, you have a clearer path to whatever success you're looking for. My next guest knows all about that. Neo is an award-winning songwriter, singer, philanthropist, and the mind behind musical genius hits like So Sick, 
and because of you. As a child, he used songwriting as a way to express himself and it got him to where he is today. Coming up, I talked to Neo about working on his newest album, Self-Explanatory, the lessons his wife taught him about putting in the work into their relationship. And with the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia has meant to his career. Up next, Neo. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is a three-time Grammy Award-winning R&B hit maker, iconic songwriter, actor, and entrepreneur who recently released a new fly single. I'm, I can't stop singing it and watching a video entitled Don't Love Me via Motown Records. It'll be his eighth studio album called Self-Explanatory and his first full length since 2018. It is my honor to welcome the talented Neo to the podcast. What's up, my brother? All love, man. All love. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. What was it like for you growing up in Las Vegas? And did you always know you wanted to be in the music industry? Uh, growing up in Las Vegas was as weird as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, it's a tour. Anybody that's been in Vegas before, you know, it's a tourist town. You know, people come in, do what they're gonna do, and then get and then get out of there. You know, uh, the people that live there are kind of no exception to that. You know, they come in, do what they're gonna do, uh, get too broke to leave, and then gotta stay. <laughs> that's that. That was kind of our situation. Uh, but yeah, I went to high school there the whole nine, man. And it was, you know, how. You go through high school with that clique of friends, you know, uh, mm -hmm. ninth grade on through. It don't really happen like that in Vegas, you know, because it's a tourist town. People come and go real quick. You know, you you every every school year you start with brand new friends, so it 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 kind of make it forces you to be a people person. But at the mm -hmm. same time, it's like that that camaraderie that normally that that you come up with. You didn't you didn't really get that, you know what I mean? This is brand new people every weekend, every year. It's brand new people at school, so you know, uh, friends become kind of this microwave situation a little bit growing up in Vegas, you know? And, and uniquely in Vegas, as somebody that frequents there, it seems like a place that we've discussed that you want to be there like two or three nights, and you, as you mentioned, and be out, and right? And get out of there, yeah. Right. So you come from a single-parent household. Uh, what was it like, you know, the dynamics of, like, you in high school? Where did you go to high school? What, was, what were you into in those years of your life? Uh, well, I went to a performing arts high school, Las Vegas Academy for Theater, Performing and Visual Arts for the first three years, and then graduated from the high school that, you know, where I lived was sanctioned for, which was Rancho High. And um, yeah, definitely a, a, a one parent household. You know, dad ain't dad ain't, ain't stick around too long, which which I wasn't tripping over, you know, because I, I didn't feel like I missed out on anything with my mom. Mm -hmm. Everything I needed to know, everything I needed to learn. I definitely learned it. I definitely got it. And my mom made sure of that. So uh, but yeah, it was my mom was was uh, she was the working mom, the working mom. She had three, four, five jobs at, at one time. You know, what I'm mm -hmm. saying like she come home just long enough to give me and my sister kiss and then it's off to the next job. And she did that to make sure that we wasn't in the hood. Mind you, we wasn't far from the hood, but we wasn't, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, so a lot of time at boys and girls clubs, a lot, a lot of stuff like that. Um, The house that I was growing up in, it was my mother, my sister, 
my aunt, my mother, my sister, my grandmother, five aunts, and me. Mm. So really, I, yeah. So not a lot of men around at all. You know, not a lot of testosterone <laughs> flowing through this house. But um, but uh, these were these, this is where I, I fell in love with an independent woman because these was the kind of women that was gonna get up and get their hands dirty if they needed to. You know what I'm saying? It ain't no men around to change the tire, so we gotta change the tire. And I'm absolutely cash out, so we gotta do it. It was it was those type of women. But um, I'm I'm becoming a young man and I ain't really got nobody to talk to about it. You know what I mean? Because it's all women in this house. So I started. Right. Started being a knucklehead a little bit, you know, getting in trouble, doing stupid stuff. And uh, that's when my mom uh, made me start writing. And uh, mm. my writing, it started out as journal entries and then eventually transformed on into songs. And here we are. And this totally makes sense why you're a Grammy Award winning artist. Mm. You grew up in a house full of women. So therefore, you've seen all sides of relationships. Yeah, to say the least, to say the least. So how does that translate into now what you're able to do as an artist? Well, I learned growing up in that house what it is to be a good listener. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I learned growing up in that house what the true strength of a woman is. And I'm not just talking physical strength. I'm talking mental strength, emotional strength. Um, I learned the difference between a lady and just a woman. You know, God makes you a woman. You make yourself a lady. Mm -hmm. It was it was a lot of lessons in that house, man. A lot of lessons, and, and and you know, by the grace of God, I was I was not so much of a knucklehead that I didn't actually take the time and listen and catch some of these lessons. But um, yeah, man, I I I, I credit my entire writing ability and career to my mother. My mother just you know being tired of me getting getting in trouble in school, and she gave me that red notebook and said, "Write it down." And I said, "Write what down?" She said, "I don't give a damn. Just write it down." <laughs> Everything else happened the way it was supposed to. I'm, I'm, I'm Neo now. Absolutely. Know. Your new song, Don't Love Me, definitely centers around relationship difficulties. So mm -hmm. have you found that music is a helpful way to process complicated feelings in your own life and relationships? I mean, it's always worked for me. You know, uh, I'm, I'm 42 years old and I, I can't say at all that I got it all figured out. But, you know, I, my wife is happy and my kids is happy. So I'm doing something right. But um yeah it was music has always been kind of a kind of a therapy uh therapy tool for me. You know what I mean? Like if I if I was feeling a way or, or or you know ever had an emotion that I couldn't express this way, I could write it. I could write a song about it and and get it out that way, you know, whatever the case may whatever the case needed to be. Don't love me is a song about it's it's a song that I wrote when when me and my wife weren't in the best place. We were uh you know right before the pandemic uh, we were we were talking about divorce. Mm. Uh, it just kind of got to that place where we couldn't talk no more, man. Like it's it's you know what I'm saying it's like there's clearly beef here, mm -hmm. but I gotta go and I and I'm gonna be gone for two weeks. So we'll holler about it when I get back. You know, like problems never get solved. Correct. So so the song so the song is basically you know I was I was at a place where I didn't know if I was capable of being the man that I felt like she deserved. Mm. And um, so, so that's so that's what the song is basically saying. It's saying, "Don't love me, walk away. You'll be better for it." Because I I know that you'll stay if I if I just let you stay. And if you stay, I'm gonna probably wind up hurting you. So I want I want you to go. Uh, and it took my highly intelligent wife to point out to me in the moment that uh she well basically she wasn't gonna let me cop out. Mm. She said, "It's not that you can't be the man that I deserve. It's that you won't. Mm -hmm. We do what we want to do all day long. Mm -hmm. Everybody." People choose desire over necessity all day long. So for you to sit there and tell me that you can't do something is basically that's a cop out. That's a cop out. And and I, I'm not letting you do that. So we're gonna sit here and we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna work it out. Okay. And you're gonna figure what you need to do to be who it is I need you to be. 
And and I I, I couldn't do nothing but but go. Yeah, I I will. Right, well, right. you know <laughs> that pride thing. But, but I'm glad. I love but that. I'm glad. Because, you know, we still together now. We're in a better place than we've ever been, you know. But the song was, was that's that's where this particular song came from, yeah. And, and I have to ask you this. Like, earlier in your career, I've been following you a long time. And maybe this is or isn't true. But was there a point in your career where it seemed like the labels and or maybe even the artists wanted you to focus solely on writing and not necessarily also being an artist? Um. When I got over to when I got over to Def Jam, it was understood that I was that I was going to be an artist. L.A. Reid wanted to give me an artist deal, um, which was cool. But before then, I was just being a songwriter. So I, I had a deal before the Def Jam deal. I was signed over at Columbia Records for about three, four years, two of which I just sat on the shelf over there because mm. uh, basically, long story short, the album that I did over there wasn't really me. You know what I'm saying? It, it it was it was their version of who they wanted me to be. Mm. And in the beginning of it, I was so green and just so happy to be there. I didn't realize that I could that I could say no, and so I never did. I'm like, what y'all want me to do? Whatever, whatever. I, but I look back at the album like this ain't even. I, I don't even know this dude. Mm. You know. So so after that whole situation, because because basically I didn't. I, I told them I wasn't gonna cooperate if they didn't let me record some more songs that felt more like me. Mm. And they were like, well. Your your budget is depleted, so I don't know how you're gonna do that. Mm. So, so basically, I sh- I sat on the shelf over at Columbia Records for like two years, you know, being depressed, being sad about it. Like, hi, hi, I'm right here at the door, and and I'm back at square one. Mm. So it wasn't so it wasn't so much that anybody wanted me to be a writer more than an artist or anybody other than myself, anyways. Because after that Columbia situation, I was like, if this is what it is to have a record deal, I don't want that. Mm. I I I just write it for other people. You know, but then, uh, you know, through the writing, through the, the songs that I was writing, uh, I was placed in front of L.A. Reid mm-hmm. and um, L.A. Reid was like, listen, I, I like what you do. I'm not I don't I don't feel like I need to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need to coach you through nothing to hold your hand like you, you do it already. So just do what you do. Just do it. For us. And I'm like, all right, cool. Oh, that's that's dope. But he's a legend. And, 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 and since then, I mean, you work with Beyonce. You wrote mm-hmm. the. The, the classic 2006 breakup anthem, Irreplaceable. What was yeah, it like man. working with Queen B? How do you get into another artist's voice to produce such an anthem like you guys did when y'all collaborated on that record? So with, with that song, it wasn't so much uh, getting into another artist's voice as it was just writing a song that was relatable to to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, at, least, or at least women, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um... I wrote the song based off of uh, one of my aunts, one of the aunts that I grew up in. Shout out, auntie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout auntie. But uh, the auntie that always had a new boyfriend every couple months. So it's one dude that stuck around a little longer than everybody else, but he, he found a way to mess it up. So everything in the, everything in the song is true. Like, he really, he, she really did buy this dude a car, and this dude really was rolling a car around uh, in the city with another chick in it, you know, not giving a damn about who's seen him or whatever. She found out. She put all this stuff in a box to the left of the closet and told him to get on. Wow. So I wrote the song initially to keep it. I, I tried to like flip it and write it from a male perspective. And what I realized is that this song does not work as well from a male perspective as it does from a female perspective. So uh, once Beyonce finally got her hands on it, that was that was all she wrote. It, it was the rest is history from there. What is it like for you as a talented writer to now give Beyonce a record 
and see that record become an anthem? What is it like when you first hear it on the radio or then you hear, you see people's reaction to the song? I got to say, being a parent now and, and in that I've had those proud parent moments is definitely that. You know, and mind you, th these songs was my kids before I had kids. Correct. So, you know, so I'm listening to the radio and, and Irreplaceable comes on and, you know, the DJ is going nuts or people are calling in requesting it or I'm watching Beyonce perform at that award show and I'm just sitting back like, that's dope. That's dope. Because it's it's my baby, and my baby is 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 flourishing. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's a proud moment. It really truly is. What about linking up with Rihanna? Bangers like Unfaithful and Take uh -huh. Wow. Like what? Take me into the dynamics of how those songs came about and working with Riri. So uh, you know uh, Rihanna was signed to uh, signed to, signed to Jay, signed to Rockefeller. So when I first met Jay. Uh, Rihanna's one of the first artists that he talked to me about. He said, we got this young, this young lady. She's from Barbados. You know what I'm saying? She has a, a really, really dope energy. You know, she can dance, she can sing. She just needs them joints. Mm. So met her. when I met her, she was young, young still. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was it was like, you know, too young to even be looking at like that. Right, too. gotcha. Young, <laughs> right, for sure. <laughs> so so was, I always tell people that my relationship was re, with Re was a little weird because, mind you, as she's growing up, I met her when she was still a kid. Right. So it's Growing up, and all my homeboys was like, yo, you see Rihanna legs? And I'm like, nah. <laughs> I can't look. Oh, no, I can't look. <laughs> and that's baby sis. I can't do that. But um, she was, she's always been a workhorse, bro. Like, she's the one that'll get in the studio and stay in the studio until it's done. You know what I'm saying? Everybody sleep on the couch, and she's still, she's still hammering away at it. Like, she, she's that person. So I, I completely understand how she's as successful as she is now. Because from a kid, she was like, the work must be done. Like, I, like we're going to figure it out. I don't know. I don't care how long it's going to take. We're going to get the work done. Mm -hmm. And I, I've always appreciated that about her. There's so many young people that want to get into sports, that want to get into entertainment, that want to get into music. But they don't know the time and the energy and sacrifices that you make in order to even do an album. And right mm -hmm. now you're, like I mentioned, doing your first album since 2018. So can you yeah. talk about that process for people who don't understand like the time and energy that's going into you making self-explanatory before they actually hear it? Well, one thing I think that people need to to lock into is that this is, though the music industry is, is you know, somewhat leisurely and you, you see the diamonds and the parties and the money and the girls and the na-na-na-na-na, the part that you don't see is the part that really and truly matters. And that's, Days at a time in the studio. I ain't been home in days. I ain't been home in weeks because we're in here making sure that this, making sure that the vision that we're trying to produce is coming out exactly the way that it's supposed to. Like this is a this is a process that is, it can be a little painstaking. It's like mm -hmm. it can be a, a little, you know, particular, mm -hmm. and 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 but but it's but it's a love thing. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's not something that we do because we feel like we have to. It's something that we do because we want to. Mm -hmm. You know, I want what I hear in my head to be produced out here. I want people to hear it and feel, a, feel about it the way I feel about it. So I'm going to sit here and take all the time it takes to make sure that it's that good. And it's something that you choose to do. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know anybody that would choose to be away from their bed for three, four, five days at a time in this little bitty room mm -hmm. with two, two other dudes, an engineer and a producer trying to make a song. But if it's a love thing, you know what I'm saying? If it's, if it's a passion thing, then that's how it's done. You know, my studio here in, in Atlanta, I thrive in comfort. I got to be comfort, comfortable in order for me to be my absolute best. So my studio here in Atlanta, you know, we got showers, we got bedrooms because it's like because we understand that there will be those times where it's like, all right, 
yeah, it's three o'clock in the morning, but damn it, I'm hot right now. I can't, right. we can't stop right now. I got, I'm in my zone, you know? So six, seven, eight o'clock rolling around and you ain't laid down yet. Mm-hmm. Well, go, go hit the, go hit the bath, you know, go ahead, take a shower, go and get the room. And then when you wake up, get a few hours. And when you wake up, let's get back at it. Like that's, that's what it is. And that, that level of dedication is what equals success in pretty much anything that you do real talk like if we want to be if we want to be real about it that level of dedication mm-hmm. eat sleep and eating eating sleeping and and, and shitting what it is that's the that, that's the level of dedication that gets you to the top and period. la reed the godfather and babyface brought that to atlanta and exploded that scene to now you can't look left or look right and see somebody not representing the A in rap or R&B. So what has Atlanta and Georgia meant for your career and for your sound? Oh, man. just So I moved out here. Uh, so I, it's, it was two stints of life that I was out here. I went back to L.A. for a little while and came back out here just because the vibe and the energy out here just spoke to, spoke more to, to me and who I am. So I've been here this time for roughly six, seven years. But, ooh, I'm lying. Roughly eight years, something like that, and um, I I don't I, I don't see myself living anywhere else, bro. I just I, I'm I'm from Arkansas originally, as we discussed, you know, so I'm a little bit country, you know, but I grew up in Las Vegas, so I'm a little bit city too. So Atlanta is just that perfect, you know, that perfect mixture of both. Um, on top of the fact that Atlanta is a place where you will find more individuals mm. than in a lot of places, you know, cats out here kind of got their own thing, you know, mm. what I'm saying from yeah. the, from the way. From the, from the way they talk, the way the music sound, Atlanta is its own animal. You know what I mean, and that's that's refreshing to me that you could come out here and you know uh, kind of let your freak flag fly, fly, so to speak. And and it's it's not only is it accepted, but it's like it's embraced. It's like you know the more individual you are here, the more love you get, as opposed to running around trying to be like or sound like somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? and you doing your own thing, people are going to rock with you for that out here. Like, I, I dig that. I dig that. Absolutely. And, and, and Detroit has a kinship with Atlanta. I'm pretty sure you see yeah. so many Detroiters there. I've seen you at Hawks games. And the thing is, like, in Georgia, in Atlanta in particular, as you started to say that, that's exactly right. Individualism is embraced as yes. an artist and it's respected you know what i'm saying it's like oh you can make it on your own that's dope that's appreciated what what, yep. what is what is some advice you would give aspiring artists today um so there's there's pros and cons to the music industry now right you know record labels are slowly but surely in my personal opinion becoming a little bit obsolete mm-hmm. you know nowadays, uh, a young hungry cat that's that's willing to get it to go get it He'll make a song in his bathroom and upload that joint to Spotify the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, sit back, little check to show up. Mm-hmm. Like, you you don't really need a record deal no more. I mean, mind you, from a financial standpoint, yeah, the record the record labels make it easier. But if you just a cat that that really want to do this, and you know, you you take your little your little pennies and you save them and you do what it is you got to do, you don't need a record label no mm-hmm. more. So, what I would say to any artist trying to come up now. Is basically what we was just talking about. One of the beautiful things about Atlanta is that individuality is appreciated. Mm-hmm. The music industry is full of people trying to be what they thought, what they saw on TV, or what they saw on TikTok, mm-hmm. or, or you know, a song that they really liked, and now they're trying to rap like that. Like the industry is full of those people. Mm-hmm. Don't be one of them people, man. Mm-hmm. Don't be one of them people. Figure out what your thing is and rock that, and rock it proudly and unapologetically. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you this. I put it to you this way: if there's a thing. 
about you or a thing that you do that anyone has ever made fun of you for because it's because it's individually you that's your superpower figure out what that is and and use that blow that up because i'm telling you that's the thing that thing that separates you from everybody else that's the thing that's gonna get you there i love focus focus on that i'm telling you i love that and, and, and I definitely appreciate you taking the time. Make sure you guys go cop self-explanatory by Neo's first studio album since 2018. But before you get out of here, I have a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to Vegas for a couple of nights. What casino hotel should I stay at? Mm, okay. Uh, definitely stay at the Cosmo if you can. It's, it's just, it's beautiful and anything and everything that you need is in there. Plus it's right next to the newer parts of the newer part of the strip where it's really, really going down there. Yeah. So I definitely recommend the Cosmo. Absolutely. And that blue ribbon is fire. Speaking oh, of yeah. food, if somebody's coming to Atlanta for a day, where should they go eat? If they're coming to Atlanta for a day, there is a restaurant called Hal's. It's like steakhouse. Uh, but they do a little bit of everything in there. Is yeah. Whenever I bring somebody to Atlanta, that's where I take them. Take them to house. Yes. I gotta hit house up. Name one artist that you haven't worked with that you hope to work with in the future. Um, Drake. Been a huge fan of Drake since since the beginning. Uh, I'm 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 really really impressed with with just his writing ability, his rap ability. I mean, dude. There's nothing to do, can't do. So I would be real anxious to see what a Neo Drake song would sound like. Oh, we need that to happen. And somebody that lived in Toronto and watched Drake come up, this show is going to make sure that this becomes an inspiration for the internet, for everybody. We need that to happen. Let's do it. Which R&B icon do you draw inspiration from? Five. Jackson Prince, Stevie Wonder, Sammy Davis Jr., and Marvin Gaye. These are my five kings. Mm, I love that. It is who Neo has always aspired to become. That's so dope. And I appreciate you taking the time. This is the last and final question. The biggest thing you look forward to fans taking away from your new album? Well, the, the album is called Self-Explanatory because we've been here up damn near 20 years at this point, brother. I feel like there's really not a whole lot of explanation that a Neo album needs at this point. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, you know who I am. You know what I do at this point. You know, it's, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the kind of music you live life to. You know what I'm saying? I got that joint that you put on when you're getting ready to go out. Mm-hmm. I got the joint put on once you get out. Mm-hmm. I got that joint that you put on Sunday when you're cleaning up. I got that joint that you put on when you're reminiscing on that dude or that chick that <laughs> it was supposed to work and it didn't for whatever. I got all of those for you. All of those you will find on this album. So what I want people to take from this album is just music to live life to, music to feel some emotion to. Like we got to that, we got to a place in music where the emotion that kind of died down a little bit. You know what I mean? Everybody's real tough. Everybody's real cool. Nobody's, people are afraid to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That vulnerability is what connects us. That's the thing that connects us. That 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 ability to, to, to lock into another person's heart. Mm-hmm. That is the connection and if we don't have that you see what happens the world is going nuts we need more of that i'm trying to bring some of that back with this album you definitely doing it my brother i appreciate you taking the time don't love me is out right now make sure you guys check out self-explanatory this gentleman is a legend thank you very much neil for joining the show thank you for having me my man all love all love last call last call I love to thank Neil for stopping by the podcast. He is someone 
that has so much to share with the world through his music and as a human being. And honestly, he's really just getting started. One thing that stuck out to me about Neil is how the idea of an independent woman came from him growing up, you ready for this? In a home with his mom, sister, and five aunts. So clearly he witnessed relationship struggles, dating, and big, big, big feelings from these powerful women that are role models in his life. It just makes so much sense that he put all of that into his music and songs as an adult. Who we're surrounded by during our formative years makes a huge impact on our lives. Who in your life has influenced you the most? Your parents, your grandparents, older siblings? These people have made a big impression on things as small as our musical preferences and as big as our career choices. Maybe you're that person for someone else. You never know. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.